And wow, what a day it's been. And ladies, I hope that you sense the love we have for you, the respect that we have for you, the admiration that we have for you, the gratitude that we have for you today. We're so blessed that you're in our lives. And we wouldn't be here without you, right? That's how that works. I brought my cup. I normally would drink out of a Bethel mug. But today I have my Chatterbox Cafe mug. Do you have one of these? You have to go to Lake Wobegon, Minnesota to get a cup from the Chatterbox Cafe where coffee and old stories are two of life's glories. This is that fictitious town in Lake Wobegon, Minnesota. You remember when Garrison Keeler would tell those stories? And what would he say at the end? That's the news from Lake Wobegon, Minnesota, where all the women are strong and all the men are good looking and all the children are above average. But that part, all the women are strong, that always gets me. Isn't it interesting how our powerful, omnipotent God that provides for us and protects us often uses strong women to help him? Isn't that amazing? It really is. Pastored a little church in the country for a while, and there was a strong woman there. Her name was Dorothy, Dorothy Hall. Dorothy Hall would come in and sit across my desk and hint, give me some hints that would help me be a better pastor. One day, Dorothy Hall came into my study, and she sat down there across from me at the desk, and she said to me, you know, the church almost closed once. I said, what? She said, yep, the church almost closed. I said, how did that happen? She said, well, the trustees didn't see any way to keep the church doors open. There wasn't enough money, and there weren't enough people attending, and there was nothing that they could do. They met, and they decided that they were just going to have to come down to the church, and they were going to have to board the church up. But there were some ladies in the church that heard about that. And when the trustees came to board up the church, they were standing in front of the door, and they said, we love you, but you're not going to board up our church. Now, the trustees looked at each other, and they thought, what are we going to do? with these women of the church, these, these strong, tenacious, stubborn women standing there in the door of the church and saying, you are not going to board up our church. Dorothy said, so the trustees went back home and they came up with another plan. And here we still have the church still alive today. Just think about the stories in your own life of women who were very strong. And often these are women who were strong because they met Jesus. And because Jesus empowered them. Because Jesus does that, you know. Jesus, he empowers women to do things that they couldn't normally do. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to see a story about Jesus in Matthew and chapter 15. It's also found in Mark and chapter 7. Matthew and chapter 15, verses 21 through 27. And it's Mark and chapter 7. But we're going to look in Matthew and chapter 15. Now, here's the, here's the back story behind the story I'm about to read to you. This is a story about Jesus. Jesus had been in a very intense season of ministry. And of course, if you think about it, if you're able to raise the dead, heal the sick, give sight to the blind, if you're able to cast demons out of people, you're going to be busy and you're going to be popular. Jesus was incredibly busy. And in this busy season of his life, when he saw hundreds of people, there was a time 
when he decided to get away, which he would do from time to time. There was a sort of a sacred rhythm in Jesus' life. From the mountaintop to the marketplace, from the marketplace to the mountaintop, he would be among the people and he'd be serving tirelessly. And then he would get away to the wilderness or he would get away to the mountains or he would get away to the sea. Now, we often don't think about Jesus like a person that takes a vacation or a person who takes a nap. But if you read the New Testament, you can see that he frequently took breaks and rested and took naps. Sometimes he had that deep sleep. When I do it, I slobber. I don't know about you. But Jesus was going away to a place that would take about a 50-mile hike, or, or maybe they took some other means of transportation, but it was up into a mountain and region by the sea, by Tyre and Sidon in modern-day Lebanon. He would have walked, he and his men would have walked over to the Mediterranean and walked along the sea, and they perhaps had a borrowed house. And the purpose was to get away for a while and to rest. They didn't have any intention of having people around them because people were pulling on them constantly, and he had determined to rest at that time. And that's the backstory here in Matthew in chapter 15 and verse 21. Jesus went away from there. He withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. Behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. His disciples came and begged him, saying, send her away. She's crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. So where were you when you first read that story? I remember exactly where I was sitting when I, as a little boy, opened my Bible and I read that story and I thought, I know Jesus was never mean, but it sure seems like he's being mean here. Here you have a woman with a desperate problem. There were, there were women, men and women all over Israel that were sick. And Jesus healed the sick, but this woman wasn't sick. There were women all over Israel who were poor, and Jesus loved the poor. He himself was poor, but her problem wasn't her poverty. Her problem was a lot deeper. She might have stood on the edge of the crowd if she had been sick when Jesus was healing people, and she would have thought, like a lot of women, my illness isn't serious enough to bother him. Her problem was bigger than sickness and bigger than poverty and even bigger than a marital problem. Her problem was that the daughter that she loved was not only oppressed by a demon, but the Bible says severely oppressed by a demon. What would it be like if you had a little girl? And in the book of Mark says she was a little girl. So what would it be like if you had a little girl and she never had tea with her friends and you never could comb her hair at night and curl her hair for church the next morning? What would it be like if you had a little girl that you could never dress in frilly dresses or you could never quiet her for a bedtime story? 
What would it be like if you had a little girl who was so severely demon-possessed that she couldn't color pictures for you and describe them to you, pictures that she made in Sabbath school? What would it be like to have a little girl that could never just unwrap a gift and burst into grateful tears? What would it be like to have a little girl who was severely demon-possessed? What would it be like? Would she have night terrors? Would she speak with other voices? Would she have inhuman strength? Would she harm herself? Would she do things that wouldn't be appropriate to even talk about on Mother's Day on a May morning in the spring? The Bible just says this woman had a daughter who was severely demon-possessed. She lived in a region of the country where there was a famous pagan temple for the purpose of healing, but she didn't go there. She heard a rumor there was a man who could raise the dead, who could heal the sick, who could cast demons out of people. And her heart sprung up with desperate hope that he would help her. She would go to this man. He was in the area. She would go to him. She would practice her speech. She was not a Jewish woman. She was a Gentile woman. The Bible describes her in a way like no one else was ever exactly described. She, she was called a Canaanite. She was a, she was a non-Jewish, unbeliever, Gentile woman. But as she's coming to see Jesus, she must have rehearsed what she was going to say in her mind. Because if you look at what she says, she says, when she gets to him, have, she's crying out, have mercy on me, O Lord. And then she calls him the son of David. She must have thought in her mind, he's a Jewish man. I'll, I'll, I'll use a term of respect that a Jewish man would appreciate. So she rehearses her line, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. Now, what does Jesus do? What you find in this little story is that the woman has to overcome four incredible roadblocks. Most of us would not overcome the very first one. What did Jesus do? This Jesus who could heal the sick and raise the dead and cast out demons and give sight to the blind. He could forgive the people that were guilty and set people on the right track. He would withstand religious hypocrisy. What would he do? He was known for his love. He was, he was known for his kind words. He was, he was known for his mercy. What would he do? He didn't say a word to her. He didn't answer her. Did you ever take a desperate prayer to God and feel like he didn't answer you? Did you ever cry out from the deep part of your soul for somebody that you loved and just feel like nobody's listening? Jesus didn't answer her at all. He said nothing. If you're like I am, you would rather that someone said something unkind than they would say nothing at all. I would rather you were my enemy than you just ignored me. Actually, I don't like either of those options, but right, I, I, would, I would rather that you said something to let me know what you thought. He didn't speak. So the next obstacle comes from the disciples who Jesus is training to be like him, to go into the world and find people who are in need. And the disciples say what? This is obstacle number two. The disciples say, can you send her away? Now, we're not sure what this meant. Maybe for the disciples, what they meant was, can you heal her daughter? Can you cast a demon out of her daughter so that she'll go away? But the scriptures just say, they said, can you send her away? 
And that's the second obstacle. And now she, they said, she's crying out after us. He answered them. He says, and this is obstacle number three. He says, I was not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, I don't help people who aren't Jewish. I'll never forget reading this as a kid and thinking, this doesn't seem very Jesus-y to me. How could he say that? I only came for the... Is that even true? There's a sense, of course, in which it is. So what happens? If it was me and he didn't answer a word, I might have gone away. If it was me and the disciples said, send her away, I might have gone away. If it was me and he said, I only came for Jewish people and you're not Jewish, I might have gone away. But, you know, I'm a dad. I'm not a mom. Moms aren't that easily satisfied. Amen? Mom is not going away. Mom is not giving up. Have you ever seen a mom with a desperate prayer? I have. I've laid in bed with a mom that was desperately crying out to God, and it is a sacred thing to hear. Our daughter, one of our daughters, went through a difficult time as a little child, and her mommy, our Lois, began to cry out to God in prayer. I lay in bed next to her, and I listened to her cry out to God and plead with God to deliver our little girl from her trouble. And it was a sacred thing to listen to. It was a desperate thing to listen to, and God delivered our little girl. She's a grown-up now. She's a mom today. She said, Dad, I remember being in the next room, and I remember hearing Mom pray for me. Good moms, they just don't quit, do they? They don't give up. And this woman, she didn't give up. Jesus says, I only came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she comes and falls down before him and cries, Lord, help me. You would think at this point, Jesus would help her to her feet and say, you can have whatever you want. But it actually gets worse. This is where he says, it's not right. And in the book of Mark, it's framed like a question. In the book of Matthew, it's framed like a statement. Is it right? to take the food that belongs to the children and give it to the dogs? <laughs> that has a barb to it. Is it right to take the food that belongs to the children and give it to the dogs, he says. So this story's been in my heart all week. And this week, maybe Thursday, a phone rang a woman, her name was uh, Aziza. She asked the secretary, could I talk with the pastor? So I got to take her call. She said, I need somebody to listen to me. My son has epilepsy. She says he doesn't have normal epilepsy. He has terminal epilepsy. She has a form of epilepsy that they say will eventually take his life. He has many seizures, 40 or 50 a day. He, she said, my husband was just cleared from the cancer that he saw, faced, and, and now my, my son came down with this, and there's a special treatment for him that might extend his life, but he requires 24-hour care. While she's talking, I, I kind of hate to admit, my mind is doing that thing like, 
So get to the point, why are you calling me? You know, like, tell me, you know, what, what are you going to ask me for? Honestly, it's not very, it's not a good admission, but my brain was like, what, what is she, why is she calling? She, while we're talking, she says that you can look up our story online and she, she gives me the URL. I'll, I'll give this to you. Uh, and, and I look up the story. She's from Ann Arbor. And when I look up the story, there's a picture of her and tending to her boys, about 15-year-old, 16 now. And the picture is a 15-year-old boy. And, and he's in a wheelchair. She said she hasn't, he hasn't been able to take a shower for like a year and a half. She has to kind of bathe him. She can't work. She's keeping her job alive by getting a, an hour or two a week in. Her husband's working full-time as a custodian at the University of Michigan. They, they've, they've, she says, I've called churches. I can tell by looking at the picture, she's, she's a Muslim. And in my mind, I'm thinking... You know, so why would you call a Christian? You know, in your mind, you'd like, why wouldn't you call a mosque? She says, uh, I called the mosque, and the imam told me it's, you know, it's Ramadan, and we're not going to take gifts for, for you all. It's a time of giving, but it's, it's time for other things. You need to connect with family and so forth. And he probably, there's, probably imams who would have done a better job than he did, but she was left pretty sad. And she says to me, as I'm thinking, why are you calling me and why here? And she says, I just really hoped that someone would listen to me. I'm okay. I'm all ears. And she pours out her heart and she says, I guess I just want to know if I'm doing the right thing. And I said, you are doing the right thing. Good moms never give up. Good moms never quit. That's just what moms do. And I said, if it's not offensive to you, can I tell you about a story that I'm studying to tell our people on Sunday? And then I told her this story. I said, the one thing this lady did was, I know you're Muslim, but this lady, she went to Jesus and she cried out to Jesus, and Jesus helped her. And I said, we have a small benevolence uh, fund, and we'll forward your need to that, that, that group, that team that, that works on that. But, but if you don't mind me saying it to you, I, would, I know that there are people in Muslim countries all over the world that are praying to Jesus and Jesus is manifesting himself to them. And if I were you, I would ask Jesus to help you. This pagan woman fell down before Jesus and Jesus said to her, is it right for us to take the food that belongs to the children and give it to the dogs? Everything Jesus did and everything Jesus said so far in this story seemed hard until he said the word dog because he used a special word that would not normally be used in this context. The Jewish people sometimes would pejoratively refer to Gentiles as dogs, but Jesus, he used a term that meant little dog, little house dog. Maybe we're reading too much into it, but here's what I believe. I believe that Jesus was giving this woman an opportunity, an opening for faith. And she immediately seized it. And she creatively and faithfully, with a, with a kind of a 
determined faithfulness, a trust, a, a relentless trust. She says to him, can the little dogs eat the crumbs off the table after the children are done eating? That's what she says. Desperate moms have relentless faith. And desperate moms, they will not quit. And desperate moms can be very creative. And so is she. And then you get to this point in the story where a wonderful turn comes. I imagine, and I don't know what it was like, I imagine that when Jesus said to her, um, is it right for us to take the food that belongs to the children and give it to the dogs? I wonder if when he said that last word, he looked in her eyes and smiled. I don't know. I don't know. She said, can the little dogs have crumbs off the table? She was in sound theology. The reason that God blessed the Jewish nation is to be a light to all the Gentiles. It's to be a blessing to the whole world. If you're blessed, you're blessed to bless others. If, if Israel is blessed, it's blessed to bless all the rest of us. Thanks be unto God. And then Jesus answered her, verse 28, and says, O woman, great is your faith. And that's the heart of it right there. Great is your faith. It is done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. If you go to the passage in Matthew chapter 7, you see that the, the scriptures say that she went home and found her daughter lying on the bed, lying quietly on the bed. I wish I had a YouTube video of this story. I wish I had a little more detail right here. My storyteller wants more detail here. Did she, did she stop for dinner on the way home? I bet she didn't. Did she walk or did she run and stumble? Did she laugh and did she cry on the way home? Did she believe immediately or did she doubt? You know I can, I can imagine what it would have been like for this desperate woman to have this promise from Jesus, the, the healer, the great physician, to, to, to make her way home and to watch as she walks into her home and go back in her little room, wherever she was, and to find that for the first time in her life, she was in peaceful rest. I know a lady who had a large family and her desire was to raise all of them to follow the Lord. And she did her best. She trained them and taught them and she was an example to them. And she spent all of her time and all of her life trying to raise those little kids so that they would love the Lord. And most of them did, but some of them don't. And now they're all gone from the house and she gets up every morning at five o'clock and she cries out to God for all her stray children to someday come sweetly back to Christ. I know of a lady, I heard of a lady, her name talked to her on the phone for an hour. Her name was Margaret Stringer. At first she wanted to marry, but no one came along. She ended up going to a mission field, a very difficult tribal mission field. There weren't too many men willing to go, so she just went... They brought her into the tribe on a helicopter. She got off the helicopter and began to develop relationships with the tribe. She eventually was able to recruit some others to help. 
To make a long story short, after 40 years of working with with this tribal people, they turned from cannibalism to Jesus Christ. And when she left, after 40 years, she told them the night before she was going to leave, they had a custom that they would come and they would sing all night. So they stood around her hut and they sang all night. So she couldn't sleep. When the pilot came in the morning, the pilot eventually, after about a half an hour of them just crushing in on her, the pilot had to push the people back so that Margaret Stringer could get on the plane so that she could come home. Get out of the way for a woman who believes Christ for unbelievable things. When you go to a home and there's been a dark presence there and that dark presence has gone. When you go to a home and there's been chaos and darkness and demons and that chaos is gone and that darkness is gone and those demons are gone i promise you jesus has been there and if you look around you'll also find that probably standing nearby is a woman who wouldn't give up a woman of relentless faith god help each of you ladies today to be women of relentless faith in our jesus pray with me. Lord, thank you for this story. I love it. I love it. I love it. That you gave this woman a window of opportunity for faith. And then she took that opportunity and became an example for all of us of how you empower women who are women of faith and how you empower women who are women of relentless trust. Amen.